Hi, today is January 1st, 2022. Uh, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions and anything said in this podcast. The future podcast should not be considered financial advice. I have no stock positions, no option positions. I am 100% cash going to 2022, and I'm very excited. This is finally the episode that I've been promising for like the last month of where I reflect um, and talk about like my favorite things and my least favorite things about 2021. Uh, I think it's going to have a lot of cool stories, a lot of personal things about me. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll obviously get into some of more of the trading stuff. But um, I hope you guys and girls like it. Um, this is a long time coming. I'm very excited to record this one. And uh, let's get into it. What kind of episode, though, would this be if I didn't mention uh, earnings week? Because that is our favorite type of play, right? So um, this week, the only thing that I see um, remotely worth playing, and this is like a play on just like a stock being meme status, uh, and that's Bed Bath & Beyond before open on Thursday. Um, yeah. I think I think that's about it. Unless you really try and play some WD forty after close on Thursday, but really, <laughs> uh, it, it's not looking so hot. I think earnings are still dead. We'll wait uh, a few more weeks until the big bigger companies uh, start trickling in. Okay, uh, I guess I'll just start off with the um, the finance stuff. I'll just talk about how my year went. Uh, this year, um, I made fifty point seven k for my profit loss year to date for 2021. Um, I made $50,704.59 uh, to be exact. Um, I have a net liquidity and because you heard early in the intro, I'm all cash. This is basically how much cash I'm going into 2022 with in the first trading day is $204,082.88. Uh, um, I also did do auto deposits uh, throughout the year. Um, I did around $39,000 uh, in auto deposits uh, throughout the year. Um, and so if we take, uh, let's, let's do some quick maths here for the percentage. So 204 uh, minus 39, that's 165. Um, and so with that, I can say 50.7k right divided by uh, 165 uh, and that uh, basically nets me at 30.7 percent uh, I made a 30.7 percent return and uh, to be honest though uh, that's also being uh, a little conservative uh, because I didn't have uh, this full amount uh, invested the entire time and so because I'm auto depositing and it's been spaced out um, it would be more like if I divided the auto deposit in half and I'd say like to be fair it'd probably be like um, 45, 50, boom yeah I'd say I made like 34% that would be more realistic um, making 34% uh, that means like I beat spy by about like four or 5%, uh, let me go and find SPY returns for 2021. Um, you mark a return year to date. Looking for this 
December 31st, 2021. Uh, where are you at? Uh, year to date. Year to date. Trying to find it. A lot of the sites are like kind of broken because, oh, is this it? December 31st, 20, and this is December 31st. Yeah, it says 28.75% for SPY. Uh, and I made it roughly 34%. Um, and so, you know, that's to say that uh, I got pretty lucky this year that, uh, and I guess this is kind of where the reflection starts happening. Uh, I got pretty lucky. Um, I was really bullish on NVIDIA. Uh, really early a lot of you know that i'm a huge nvidia fan and you know the resale lit started happening Gra graphics cards started um, flying off the shelves um, you guys and girls also know that i was a huge fan of amd and lisa sue um, and that also got caught up in that huge wave crypto got really big and so you know these semiconductor stocks started becoming more of like a like a hedge um, just to be able to play into crypto without actually buying crypto. Um, and so there was just like a lot of positive news coming out um, about uh, semiconductor stocks. And I was just like already really into it. It's like one of my favorite uh, stocks to trade in 2020, even uh, like before 2021. Um, so I got pretty lucky with that, but I'm a, also a huge believer in that it's what you do with the luck. I think a lot of people are actually lucky. It's just a lot of people don't know what the best thing might be at the time for them uh, to handle that luck. Um, imagine uh, if instead of you know selling and uh, selling you know puts and you know buying stock and selling covered calls, I was I would instead have just done out the money uh, call options that expired in the same week. I could have made a lot of money, but I could have also definitely lost a lot of money. Um, 2021 was not just straight up. It did have some blips downwards where, you know, if you are on a shorter time frame, if you're trading on a shorter time frame, uh, you're definitely more susceptible to getting got um, because, you know, it's very hard to 10x uh, on a like winning position, but it's very easy to lose 100% uh, on a losing position. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure that when you're trading, uh, especially something that you love and maybe you get a little bit of luck and some news articles start heading your way, you know, don't fix something that's not broken. I had an amazing uh, 2020 year um, where I made, uh, let me see, let me bring up the exact numbers. In 2020, I made 48911 dollars and two cents so and that was with an 80k portfolio right so i made a little bit more than 50 percent in 2020 and i made 34 percent in 2021 uh, i beat spy in both years um doing the exact same thing the things that i teach on this podcast the things that i teach here for free right like this is my one time in the year where like i'm open about how much like I'm making and like I, I talk about it because you know during the year I don't like talking about this stuff on the podcast really because I think it attracts the wrong people but I owe it to you all that are listening that are like long time listeners 
um, you know, more of this type of material because, you know, this is the type of material that I actually enjoy listening to as well. It's like, hey, if I'm listening to someone that talking about finance, I, I kind of want to know about if they win, if they, um, if they're even positive for the year, like what strategies do they do and why? And, and then like, it makes me feel good personally listening to someone that I know, um, effectively deploys their strategy instead of just talking about things. And so this is me just going over again, my 2020, uh, uh, you know, gain of $48,000, uh, nine hundred eleven dollars and two cents, and my twenty twenty one gain of fifty thousand seven hundred four dollars and fifty nine cents. Um, very blessed to have gotten any sort of gain really in twenty twenty one after the really scary twenty twenty. Um, but I say all the time, I'm glad that I went through the Corona crash um, and got assigned the eighty k. A worth of puts um, and then writing that through up uh, from the bottom of the COVID crash through the COVID rally because that really solidified like my trade style and my ability to navigate out of bad situations uh, in 2021. For example, like if I enter at the top of an NVIDIA trade where, you know, I bought stock at 340. I was at the very tip top of the candle, uh, but I made it out okay. Right, like I preserved my profit loss for the year, and I made, still made it out at fifty point seven, despite buying at the very top a hundred shares at three forty. Because I know how to sell my cover calls, I know when to double down, I know, um, you know, when to take the my uh, profits. I know I keep true to my triggers. I do everything in my power to be as responsible and as least emotional um, when those things happen. So. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll have some time today to kind of talk about a little bit more of that stuff. But I think now uh, I want to go and talk about like my trades from the website. All right. So I opened it up. That's thetagang.com slash Junie, as it always has been for the last two and a half years I've been recording this podcast. Um, my very first trade of this year was uh, QuantumScape. It was a cash secure put at the $50 strike. I opened on January 4th of 2021 uh, and I received $245 for it. And then I see a whole bunch of cover calls on Boeing, Apple, Nvidia, uh, AMD, uh, just reading off, the, you know, I, I traded GameStop for a little bit, Arc F, uh, you know, just looking at all these trades that like I've done uh, here's a here's a here's a pretty big loss. Let me just read what the notes are. This is an Nvidia cash secured put, which I don't normally lose on, um, but I guess I lost this one. Uh, my opening note says, uh, "I'm going to try something new here." Uh oh, <laughs> I'm opening this in the hopes of only collecting or owing premium. Uh, I'm going to avoid assignment. I will exit around a forty percent to fifty percent loss or exit for a 50% trigger. 570 is a decent price for me to pick up shares, but I'd rather avoid assignment on another 100 and exit for a loss to re-enter after earnings. Run up towards earnings is possible, 65% probably a profit. This kind of rings a bell. So I remember at this point in time, I had a lot of Nvidia shares, maybe like 300, either that or 600, I'm not sure probably 300, probably 300 shares, 
or you can fit 600. I don't remember. But um, I had a lot, and I was getting kind of bored. I remember getting, like, just bored, like, antsy. Like, I wanted to just make a play. And so um, NVIDIA was doing really well at this point, uh, and I thought, you know, I have all these shares. I have covered calls that are pretty in the red. Why don't I just write a cash secured put uh, in the event that keeps going up? Um, and so that's why I wrote uh, in the opening note, run up towards earnings is possible. Uh, because that is um, one of the things that I like to do is if there is an earnings coming within like maybe like two or three weeks, I do like cash secured puts during those times because I do uh, have a thesis that like, you know, uh, the stock tends to go up because people want to get in before earnings and then that whole shebang. Um, but reading here in the closing note, and remember this is a loss. Um, this is a trading loss that I had, um, which I closed in January, March, April, May, 5, 12, May 12th, 2021. The closing note says, closing now. Woke up a bit late and chose to wait out the morning before closing, but the price action feels bad right now. Chose to wait instead of exiting at 40 to 50% loss as planned and paid for it. I need to practice better discipline with closing losers if I'm ever going to do the assignment approach again. And that sounds like me. I wrote this at one point. That's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, doing plays strictly for premium uh, was a past version of myself. This was not the WSB Juni either. This was early Fade Gang Juni. So as most of you know that I, I think listen, um, I started off with like $3,000 in my account, my Theta Gang account on Tastyworks. And uh, my the majority of my trades in the beginning were uh, really small spreads, like put credit spreads and call credit spreads. Um, and during those times, I kind of just didn't care if I won or lost. It was just really, really just to experiment if it would work at all. Just selling options. Like I was just, I was that skeptical. I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna show everyone else the truth. And uh, it worked, right? Like if I held to expiry and accounted for max loss, I, I was doing really well. Um, after a certain while though, uh, I started doing like cash secured puts uh, because I like the fact that even in my worst situation, it's not that bad. As long as I assume that, you know, when I write this put, I will get assigned. Uh, this trade here where I look for only premium is very striking to me because it's a very, it's very out of character for me um, and, you know, Maybe it's just because I've hardened my strategy since May 12th when I closed this trade. Um, right now, I would absolutely not be looking to do something like this. I would not look for just premium or um, overextending and uh, looking for assignment on another 100 when I have a huge um, portfolio. Um, though that's kind of different right now because I, do, I am all cash uh, going into this trading week, um, as said in the intro. Um, but this trade, yeah, it, I mean, it's a pretty cool reminder, um, for me to read this, uh, and I'll, I'll remember that for January when, when we, uh, resume trading. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't see myself trading exclusively for premium like this, uh, in the short term. Maybe I give it another go if it's like some YouTube series or I don't know, some Twitch thing that I do just for fun, but 
really, I think cash secured puts uh, are where it's at for me, and that's how I typically um, just kind of do everything. Uh, like Magic Gathering wise, I like playing blue white control because the onus is on the other person to do something. Just like running a cash secured put, the onus is really on the other person. It's them, they gotta make sure that their insurance pays out, or heck, you just keep the premium, and that seems pretty nice. Um, but aiming to you know alter the trade before the uh, expiry date or the assignment date is not sound to me anymore. Maybe it sounded okay back on May 12th when I was closing this trade, um, but now, uh, beginning of 2022, end of 2021, um, yeah, I think it's assignment uh, only for me right now. All right, uh, just kind of looking around for more of the losses because honestly, talking about winners is pretty boring. Um, you don't really learn as much as you do as you do from uh, looking at the red stuff. Uh, I'm looking here. I see that uh, for Boeing, uh, I recorded a $705 loss for this $300 um, or 300 strike uh, Boeing leap. Uh, the opening note says 72% probability of profit, no trigger. I like Boeing's chart. Uh, I put an oogla here. We either bounce hard from here or continue to break down. In case we break down, I will double down on position if Boeing hits 230. Oh, I remember this one actually. Right now there is selling pressure, but volume is slowing as we approach the 200 EMA. 10 EMA has breached the 50 EMA though, so be careful if you want to open shorter day calls. They're dangerous, but fun. Uh, this was actually one of the coolest plays I did earlier of last year, right? This was, er, yeah, opened 320, March 22, 2021. The closing note says, I ended up buying the dip and two more of the same position that eventually helped me break even. I'm closing them all in, in lieu of picking up common stock instead of these BA leaps. This was one of the coolest things. I'm so glad that I, I picked this one. The... Oh, okay, I'm trying to contain my like excitement, I guess. Okay, so I bought Boeing leaps because, you know, Boeing was having this epic comeback from, you know, the bottom of COVID and, you know, things were looking up and everything was, was great. So I bought Boeing leaps and they were working for, you know, for a while. I was also writing Boeing cash secure puts. Those were working for a while, too. And when I finally decide to buy like one more batch of, um, or one more Boeing leap, uh, it was at like the tippy top of the rebound. And so then it started correcting from that moment on. Uh, and then I wrote here, right? Like I said, uh, in case we break down, I will double down position if Boeing hits 230. And I remember it hit 230. And I was just thinking there like, you know, I don't normally do this, but I wrote that down in my like plan. I wrote that down in my opening note. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And if it fails, then I can look back at this and I, just, I can just say, you know what? Buying options is just not for me anymore. That was definitely way past version myself. I'm just not gonna do it uh, anymore. But this worked. And I remember thinking like, oh my goodness. I, got, I caught a, such a huge break because I remember it had just started skyrocketing like after I doubled down and I just remember like thinking to myself, wow, if this was the old me, I would be buying lots of calls right now. But I said, you know what? I got incredibly lucky 
and I exited with break even. I'm gonna be responsible. I'm just gonna move on to something else. I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn, and I'm good. And I, and I remember like a week later, Boeing uh, dipped again, and I would have just been red on my double down position, and I would have been stressing. But I was happy with just breaking even, learning my lessons, and getting out. This was this is good. This is a great reminder for you all. Like if. You know, there's going to come a time when, you know, you make a bad trade, bad timing, bad thesis, bad reasons to go in, and you are in the red, like just instantly. Sometimes when you break even, like in this example here as I'm talking about it, sometimes it, it's it's okay to just like be okay with breaking even. And it's not even you exiting out for even. You learned a lesson and you broke even, aka you learned a lesson for free. So now you have more knowledge and you're starting back at the right place. That's a positive gain in my experience. And that's maybe copium, right? And maybe a little copium. Uh, maybe it's not so positive uh, because I can hear some of you also saying, you're probably one of those parents that are gonna give uh, uh, participation trophies to everyone on the team. Nah, I don't actually believe in that stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, this is a good way to look at it. Uh, it's a healthy way because a lot of the time, um, the reasons how you get got uh, in the stock market is just getting tilted. Do whatever you can to not get tilted. This was one of my like defense mechanisms to a T where I knew that if I broke even and I turned, if I, if the trade turned red, that would tilt me beyond belief, but I didn't let it happen. And I'm glad I read this one. Wow. Let's try to see if we can find a few more of my losses. Oh, this one's good. This one's another good one. Here is a long naked put on nvidia <gasps> juni what are you what did you what were you thinking didn't you know that semis were only going to go up didn't you know that nvidia was going to create the future didn't you know that crypto was going to boom didn't you know anything i thought you i thought i thought you were an nvidia fan you don't sound like an nvidia fan you're a scam you're a scam sa, 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 sa. So I, so I opened this on um, April 19th, 2021. Um, and the opening note says, dude, sometimes the things I say in the podcast is crazy. I don't know where any of this stuff comes from. Um, the opening note of this long you can put on NVIDIA. And the, I mean, there's going to be first time listeners for every single episode. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm, a, I'm like a huge NVIDIA fan. Uh, I've been an NVIDIA fan since like early 2019, uh, not that long in, re in perspective. Like I'm not trying to sound like I'm a hipster, like, oh, I liked it before everybody else, but I've liked it since 2019. And so buying a long naked put is funny in this scenario. I'm just letting you in on the inside joke in case if you didn't catch that, if this is your first episode. So uh, the opening note says, protecting my 100 shares that are not covered. Uh, 730 out of 60,000 uh, is 1.2% of the position if this trade goes to zero. Okay, so this means I basically had 200 shares of NVIDIA at a $300 cost basis, and this long naked put cost $730 to buy. Um, so I reasoned that I'm spending $730 to protect myself from a little bit uh, of down movement on my 60K position, 
And so that's um, this put, this put that I bought, this 570 put um, uh, is only 1.2% of the position. I thought that was pretty good reasoning. Uh, this is not a directional play. I would rather have the stock go up and close this for a 75% loss. This expires before earnings and I choose this date because I will actively manage this position as we go into earnings day and recalibrate before the call. Uh, and the closing note here says, taking off some downside protection, my oogla boogla is that recent volume was more bullish than bearish. And I have covered, I have covered call, I have bad grammar sometimes. And I have covered call that is already pretty red. That's a good thing for me, right? So that was a good thing for me. Uh, where my cover calls were red, that means the stock had gone up. So um, I feel safe from a gap down on Monday without this put, and I'll cut my losses here, buy puts for protection, and not profit. Boom! That's what I'm talking about, dude. See, like, puts are meant to lose, right? You don't want your puts to win. When you put on a put, it's to protect yourself from down movement. If your put is losing it is a good thing so many people don't use puts right because you learn everything from wall street bets and that's okay because i learned from wall street bets too when i was first starting but puts are more than just betting that something will go down if you have a lot of stock of something buying a put is really really nice because it's just insurance you're paying for insurance. It's not bad. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm theta gang, so I'm gonna be, oh, I'm gonna be selling these puts to uh, Wall Street bets people, <laughs> because uh, I'm smarter than everybody, and because uh, I'm cooler than everybody, so and you know I sell options. Yeah, theta gang. Yeah. No, it's none of that. It's just buying puts or buying options have their time and place, and this is, this, I mean, was one of those. I was scared, right? That's maybe not the correct move is just being scared, right? Like, oh, Junior, why are you scared? Oh, it's NVIDIA. Oh, yeah, you should have seen. You should have been like, oh, so bullish because why would you be bearish at all? I thought you was your favorite side, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> there is a time and place to buy puts. And sometimes it's when you're scared. It, but especially if it's to protect a position. It's not like a blind bet on something going down. And so... You know, as we go into January, this is just one of the things that I want to really, really put out there. If you don't have a position in something, you have really no real reason to buy a put. But Junie, there is inflation worry. There's three interest rate hikes going. There's Omicron, Omarion, Icebox, where my heart used to be variant going on, right? Like. You should do everything in your power to trade as least as possible when things are most volatile. If you have had a very rough 2021 and ended red, one of the best things you can do is pick one side and trade that one side so you get really good at trading that one side. Meaning, what's wrong with only being bullish? Like say for example, you eliminate just being bearish altogether. You know, it's either saying something nice or saying nothing at all. Either trading bullish or trading nothing at all. So then you say, you again, Junie, you're forgetting the Omarion virus. You're forgetting the 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 inflation, the the rate hikes. You're for, you're forgetting all that. Why you keep forgetting all that? I'm not. I'm just saying, 
if you truly are worried about that stuff, worry about that stuff, then just don't trade. Just focus all your energy into worrying about that stuff. You don't need to uh, think that the market needs to go down because any of that stuff happened because here's one way to look at it, right? Just because uh, the interest rates go up doesn't mean the stock market has to go down. There's no rule set in stone that that has to happen, right? Because this is the bullish perspective because there's two sides to every coin, right? There's if interest rates uh, go up, then, you know, to me, and this is this is a very, very personal point, and I, I don't think there's many people out there that think like this. Uh, to me, when the interest rates go up, I see that as exclusively a good thing because finally the Fed are doing something. I feel good putting my money into the market. I feel good about having my money in U.S. dollar because they're doing something to stop this inflation from happening. I don't care if the market goes down a little bit. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of people really care. I think the media will blow it out of proportion. And maybe that's the discount of the 2022 year that you know you can join in on. Or maybe it just doesn't happen. Maybe the market continues to trade flat. And that's my entire point, right? Like if you buy puts thinking that you know the market has to go down because of these interest rate hikes and the market just ends up trading flat, guess what? You lost. Because you needed the stock to go down, but it traded flat, right? So when you start thinking about things long-term, you start zooming out the graph. And what you can start doing is you zoom out the spy graph and you tell yourself, okay, how many times has this gone down over the course of the last like two years? And you see like coronavirus one crash, you see some other dips, you see uh, President Trump getting sick, you see some other like uh, Democrat stuff, you see uh, political stuff, you see like Omicron stuff. Yeah, there's tiny, tiny blips. There's tiny, tiny corrections. But really, if all you did was just buy stock and hold it in your portfolio, and if it was reasonable stock, and I'm not talking about like low float, low market cap stock, like dollar, um, like I said dollar, like penny stocks, uh, you're good. Just buy some responsible companies, buy companies that you love, and uh, it won't be an issue. Um, man, yeah, I got this. Got me fired up. Buy puts for protection, not profit. Uh, let me click back. Um, I think, you know, that's about it for uh, the losers that I want to talk about. There's nothing really much else um, worth talking about. I mean, I did win a lot. And so here's also another thing. And this is like the one time of the year that I actually say things like this. Um, if you win often, like I do, okay, give me a break. Like, like let, let me, let me just be, let me just be conceited just for like, one episode okay if you win a lot like i do you uh, i'm not gonna say you this is me this is me 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 if i win a lot i don't have the incentive to just like post all the trades that i win right because it's normal to me the probability of profit makes sense I'm winning most of the time because my probability profit is usually like 70 to 80%. So it makes sense that I win most of the time. Me posting my winning trades on Twitter for the public to see uh, doesn't make sense because it's just boring to me. Like it's, it just happens all the time, right? But here, let me twist this, okay? So let me let me flip it back to the humble mode. Let me let me flip it back to the uh, Juni go get em mode, okay?
if winning is so special, you're going to share it on Twitter. Let me say that again. If winning is really important and if it doesn't happen often to you, you're going to share it on Twitter. Otherwise, if you win all the time, why would you spend the time and energy to share it on Twitter, right? So that's my entire point about people that show their winnings on Twitter. They're really proud of it and that's okay. You go, boo. You go, you share it. But behind that win is like a massive hill of losses that the, that the people that aren't veterans of Fintwit don't see. And that's what really grinds my gears. It's like people think other people are so sick because they share these like huge gains. But it's like if that happened to you all the time, you would be a millionaire and you would not even care about Twitter. You wouldn't even be on the, the internet probably. You'd be out in Dubai getting lit or something. Remember that meme from like a, from like years ago? Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so... That's how I that's how I see it. It's like I win pretty often, but that's just because how the numbers work, right? And it doesn't make sense for me to post all all of my wins on Twitter. And it's like it would also attract the wrong type of people. I don't want people that are just like signing up just to say like, "Oh, Junior, what's your next play? Oh, Junior, what's your next play?" That is hella annoying. <laughs> like it, it like from. I don't know how, how, why, or how gurus like it on, on Twitter. Like that, that type of mentality is, is really, really annoying to me. It's like, I'd rather teach you, like ask me questions about like, Hey, what's your favorite strategy on how to pick a stock? Or what is your uh, favorite probability of profit? Like help me help you get better. Not, not pick things for you or whatnot. But anyway, let me dial it back. Let me dial it back. Um, just a reminder, 2022 holidays are over. People are settling back in. Uh, you're going to see a lot of sharing of different types of portfolios and all, all this stuff. Just be wary of people that share, uh, big winners, but they don't share their losers at all. It's like a huge red flag that I think not enough people know about. This is a red flag that I hope you see in a lot of people going forward. And you know, if they entice you to join some sort of service or whatnot, you have the absolute right to ask them, hey, you know what? I'm about to join your service. I just love to see um, you know, how often you lose because you know, I'm quite bad at say picking my own trades. And if I have to pick through your own through your trades, uh, that might be difficult for me. So can I please see like your um, trade log or something? And if they, if they tell you like, hey, you know, uh, I, I trade large volume. I only, you know, I went often. I can't keep track of it all. That's a red flag. So take it from someone that wins often, but, um, you know, to be uh, less conceited there. It's just because that's how the numbers work. It's just the probability of profit. Uh, I'm not some uh, guru. I'm not someone that can tell the future. I don't know where the market's going to go. Um, I don't, uh, what, what, what else, what else do gurus do? Um, you know, I don't like say like, oh, you know, if you follow my uh, last trade idea, you would have 10 X. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't do that stuff. I do the, all I do is I just do the things that I talk about in this podcast. Like the things that, you know, people say that I'm getting repetitive on 
it, it's it gets repetitive because my rule set is really simple, right? Like I just follow it to a T. You can have like a really simple system, but the second you stop following your own system, the the second you yeah, yeah the second you stop, you just don't know what went wrong. When you start dialing down on making sure that your system's not too complicated, then you have fewer moving pieces to worry about. Fewer variables that you can change, which in my opinion is a great place to start. You don't want to start off, uh, well you can, you can do whatever you want, I'm not gonna stop you, but I personally wouldn't start off the 2022 year with like a huge list of things that you're not going to do, or a huge list of things that you're going to do. Rather, dumb down or simplify your system to where it's manageable. Like don't set yourself up to this really high expectation because if you just went from following zero rules to following 40 rules, that's not a realistic expectation and that can actually make it so that you get demotivated early and you just don't do it for the rest of the year. Start off the year simple and uh, yeah, get that bread. <laughs> oh man, you know, that that last section got me kind of fired up. I have one more point that I kind of need to get off my chest and I think it will also give you a little bit more perspective into going to 2022 and uh, what to look out for on Twitter. Because there's a, I mean, there's a lot of tactics that gurus deploy um, to get your money to sign up for their service. Uh, this is, I think, the, the most common one that I think I see um, as people start sharing their profit losses and stuff. Dude, if you are a options service or options guru, you have no business sharing like your IRA account that has all your stock holdings. Uh, like for example, if you have an IRA that you've been, cause some of these gurus are like 50, 60 years old, right? If you have an IRA that you've just deposited money to um, for spy, right? Um, and it's just like very he heavily allocated into spy. It's like 80, 90% to spy, right? And so that has like a fat gain on it. The graph, profit loss graph looks really nice. Um, and then you share that graph and you share your profit loss to everyone on Twitter saying like, hey, look at my gains from my uh, from you know my team and how we do operate in the Discord and you see, check out how my plays have played out for the year, for the last few years. That is a very, very sly tactic. Um, and it, it it's so toxic. It's like, hey, look at my trades getting carried by doing the most responsible thing possible, right? Here, come join my service uh, because I made a really good return on SPY and I was just in the market longer than you so I look sick and my bank account number is big, right? Like that, or my portfolio number is big, not bank account, but whatever. Um, so that's something that you really, really need to look out for is people sharing like their overall like net worth graph or sharing like their their graph of their portfolio that's just um, put into like a mutual fund or like a graph of their 401k because what they'll most likely frame it as is like something along the lines of like hey this is my uh, main account that includes like my options plays 
but then you know what's not directly said is like oh i've been investing in this for many years and uh i only started options like in this part of the graph and you know this part of uh this chart um at the tip top is like where i made my gains so it gives you like a really bad like view on just like how good that they do um and that's i don't know that's just it's just something that kind of gets get gets at me. It's like, it's like these little slight. Cause I, here we go. I think about my stepdad a lot. I I love him. He is the nicest guy on earth, and he gets. I I mentioned it on a few podcast episodes, I'm sure, but he gets like slammed with these like um like these services, like these gurus, like directly emailing him like offers to join their service and stuff. And, like, I'll see, like, all this propaganda of just, like, oh, you know, you have you learned how to sell options? And, dude, his son, me, right? I'm I'm pretty good at selling options. Like, I know what realistic, like, returns are. These people are, like, super scammy. They're, like, saying, oh, we'll get, like, 35 grand on only, like, 3K selling options. Like, what the heck? What, the, what strategy are you doing? Are you doing box spreads? Is this irony, man? And his fallout? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, thankfully, you know, he doesn't fall for it, but he does love telling me about it though, because I think he sees how much I care about him when I'm telling him like how dangerous it is. That's, that's my personal view. And that, that's also getting to the little bit more personal side, which I'll leave for the end of the podcast. But, um, yeah, uh, it grinds my gears when, uh, these gurus are targeting susceptible people that want to make money with, uh, their portfolio that is not correctly, uh, portraying their actual service or strategy that they provide rather it's like a mixture of the most responsible thing that even i'm a huge fan of right i'm a huge fan of an ira but i would never ever post my ira chart on twitter saying like oh you know i also do a little bit of option trading in this one and this is how my performance is and it's showing like the fat like 40 percent gain that it's had uh since i've created it right like that this is that's not cool it's just not cool so you know be aware. That's all I say. Oh, let me take a chill pill. I'm losing my voice too. And I'm so hungry. I like, um, I just drove back from uh, visiting my parents. Visiting my parents was also uh, very nice. Um, some, I'm getting into like some other stuff. Um, this was a pretty big year for ThetaGang.com. I introduced a lot of features this year. I wish I had put dates on my notes um but let me just do a quick like recap of like what what was implemented um i'd say you know there was some uh oh jesus yeah there's there's so many things um like the version two of the website came out uh, was it this year i don't remember <laughs> i'm just like looking back um there oh i know for sure that the um that following came this year. So you're able to follow people now on the website. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you can um, see like trades with comments now on the on the front page. You can tell when a comment or a trade has a comment on it. Um, let me see. Uh, lots of regex. Dude, shout out to Stan. Stan, I know you're a listener of the podcast too, though. Dude, I had <laughs> uh, Dude, thank you so much for all your regex help uh, over the year. Uh, you have made cash tags possible on the website. So that cash tags are basically, you know, when you put the dollar sign and the stock name and then it highlights. 
Stan is the, I don't know why I keep saying Stan, like Stan. Stan is the um, uh, friend that is um, responsible for making that happen. So thank you there. Um, I remember taking out the net premium for 2020 and 2021. Uh, and people did not like me taking that out. So <laughs> I remember putting it back. Uh, see, I listen, uh, I read emails. Um, even the really hurtful ones, XD. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, you can have bios now uh, for your profile. Um, let me see. Your trade summaries are now public. There's an implied volatility graph now. So if you go to your favorite stock on the website, you can see where the IV is at. So that's pretty cool. And then I guess this is a great segue into what was just recently released uh, yesterday night, I think before I packed up my laptop. Um, the, there's now 2022 net premium uh, for your first trades that you close and you open in uh, this year, 2022. This year has been really, really, really good for the website. I got so much done. You know, when I when we first went into this year, you know, V2 was just getting released and there was a lot of polishing left to do. I feel like a lot of that polish is actually like done. And so now I have this like very clean slate that I can like start implementing all these cool features like the volatility graphs um, and whatnot. Uh, and it just feels really good. I'm proud of like how many changes that the code base has gone through. Um, and it being still readable and still workable, right? Like that's like that's one of the hardest things to do is like um, incrementing your product and also changing your product or uplifting your product. Like you know, from V zero to V one, that was pretty big. V one to V two, that was disgustingly huge. Um, and you know, the code base for Theta Gang right now, like I mean, if you were to work on it, you know, you know, maybe you know Theta Gang does get that big and maybe it becomes open source. I have no clue. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's still nice to work in and I pride myself in doing that. And, you know, it's really easy to let your code go or like, you know, kind of make it really messy as you work on it by yourself. But maybe I do have dreams of having other people work on it someday. Um, dang. It'd, I mean, it'd be pretty cool. Like imagine if I did this by myself for like ever and then, I don't know, my, three daughters become something in tech and then they take it over. That would be so sick. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, enough of, the, enough of the mushy stuff, but yeah. Um, then, and some of you might say like, wait, Junie has three daughters? And it's like, no, I, I actually don't have any kids, um, but I, I just feel it deep in my bones. I'm, I'm going to have girls. Like, I just know it. I just know it, I know it, I know it. Uh, if I have a son, great. I mean, that's 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 cool too. But I just got a huge feeling I'm going to have daughters, and uh, I'm I'm open to that. <laughs> I say like I'm open to that. Like I'm not on board. Oh my goodness. Ah, oh, it's like every seeing everyone get married, seeing everyone start having kids. It, like it starts making you think about the future, and I've I've definitely done a lot of that reflecting. But it's not time to do that reflecting yet, Junie. We still got a little bit of finance, more stuff to go to. So uh, let me uh, cut it off here. Let me go and talk about um, some more finance stuff. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Um, the plan for 2022, the plan for January. Uh, 
I don't know where the market's going to go. I have no idea where the market's going to open. Uh, my feeling is that the market will open going down. And if it starts going down from day one, I will just wait. I don't need to necessarily put in my money right away. If it's a big enough drop, yeah, I'll consider just running a cash secure put right away. Um, but chances are, if we open red on Monday, I'm probably not going to open anything on Monday. Uh, just kind of waiting to see like more news about the rate cuts and kind of uh, seeing like just how everyone else is trading, how everyone else is feeling, getting a vibe through there. I would like uh, my first few trades to be NVIDIA and AMD focused because that's just my bread and butter and that's what's worked so far. I'm not going to uh, break what's not broken or fix what's not broken <laughs> i told you my grammar and my, my my choice of words sometimes is crazy <laughs> um but yeah sticking with the tried and true amd and nvidia um i wrote a little snippet for my patrons um called state of the gang where i, I kind of like write my thoughts and i kind of uh, probe for a few questions and answers from you know people that read it or patrons that read it just checking in, you know, uh, reminding them of how far they've come this year and, um, you know, if they've done well, just replicate what, you know, they did this year. If they've not done so well, then, you know, probably something needs to change. Um, just thinking back on the feedback form that I gave to my patrons a few months ago, uh, a lot of them were green for the year. Uh, and almost equally a lot of them were red for the year uh and when asked like you know what could be done uh better or what can be you know um what could help the the redness it, a lot of them said nothing right a lot of them took ownership of the mistakes that they made they said you know uh i one one of the responses was something like uh i you know i listen to the podcast every week but i still cannot believe the things i end up doing uh, and so, and they, then they were like right on and say like, I appreciate that, um, you always, uh, have a welcoming tone and that you don't look upon it down on anyone that makes a mistake. And that's, that's, that's so true. And so thoughtful for, uh, someone to like mention that. Cause like, that's one of the things that I almost like pride myself on is I don't care if you make a mistake, I don't care if you YOLO, like buy like zero date to expiration calls and you lose, like, I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm going to make sure that, you know, hey, are you okay? Come check out the stream, come hang out with people, maybe like, um, you know, talk about it or, or something, right? I, I'm not going to say like, oh, why did you do that? Oh, that was risky. It's already done. And I, oh, this is, oh my goodness, this is also another perfect segue. So, I was gonna have a podcast episode about this, but you know, I'm I this is just this is just a little bit too like lifey. So I'm just gonna like talk about it in this one just because it's the reflection podcast. But one of my most like like one of the phrases that I think is one of the most useless in English context history is I told you so. Like I told you so is said after something is already done. And after the person has already felt it. So saying I told you so is only in the benefit of the person saying it. And I think it's one of the most useless things you ever say. Because there is there is like rarely a time when you say I told you so. 
and it has a positive effect. Maybe sometimes if you're that cool with your friend and you know they tell you like, oh, I got back with this person, oh, I made this bad trade, oh, I made this or I did this, and then you say, I told you so, and then they're like, oh, you know, you're right, I'm gonna listen to you from now on, or I'll take your feedback more seriously from now on, or they say, they say something like that, then that's good. But if you are like a teacher or like someone that, you're someone that someone looks up to or someone that looks to you for advice or something, and you say, I told you so, that, that hurts, that like stings. Um, and I've had that told to me a lot, like, it's, it's just cause that kind, that, that, <laughs> I'm like stuttering cause it's like so triggering sometimes. Um, that feedback loop when you're learning of having someone say, I told you so, is so bad. Uh, let me just let me just illustrate that point one more time with another another example. If someone doesn't take "I told you so" well, like you know, say you're not friends, but rather you know you're someone that they look up to or look for you to, for advice, and you say "I told you so," and the other the person that's done done the mistake doesn't receive that well. The chances of them asking you for help goes down way down, like just way lower. They're not, they're probably never going to ask you anything again or like ask for you for advice ever again. Cause they're, they're afraid that if they make the same mistake, you're just going to get the, I told you so maybe even louder, right? Like that's just, that's just kind of how Asian culture works. Um, and, uh, <laughs> how many apples do you have if you <laughs> three away? No, um, that's a... That's a reference to subtle Asian traits if you've never heard of that. But anyway, um, yeah, saying I told you so is not a good phrase to say. I mean, unless you're really cool with someone else. Um, if someone makes a mistake and they write in, uh, and if, it, if I could tell that it's real and it's genuine and they are actually like wanting help, I read the email on the podcast episode, right? Like you guys and girls have listened to me read off a lot of emails about people that have gotten got and that have gotten like into bad scenarios with trades. And I read the email, I give like sound advice, not financial advice, but sound advice. And um, just things about like what I would do and how I'd approach it. And I hope, you know, that, that it makes them feel better. I've gotten emails as replies saying like, thank you so much for taking time and uh, reading off my question. And I feel so much better. Like that is the reason why I record this podcast. I don't make any money by sitting here, spending three hours while I'm hungry, like deleting takes. Because right now I'm about to reach the 55 minute mark on this podcast episode. But what you don't know is like, I've I've talked into the mic maybe like 20 minutes at a time and just thought like, ah, nah, that's too rambling. And I delete it and I just start over. So uh, yeah, as 2022 comes by, I want everyone to know that like, no matter what I might say on Twitter, because Twitter is honestly a different persona that I have, right? Twitter is where I do Twitter things because Twitter, people on Twitter are usually not like good people. So I just like, I just go off on Twitter. But when it comes to the podcast and stuff or the stream or the website, like this, this is where you get this Junie, right? Like this is, this is where like you, if you ask me for advice on Twitter, like the chances of you actually getting real advice is really, really low. Cause I don't know if you're just a troll or not, but if you take the time to email me or if you take the time to like um, mention me on one of the trades on thetagame.com and I can tell that you're really into it, like I'll help. 
um, or if, if I can, right? Like there, it, it does get to a certain volume sometimes, especially during, you know, big crazes like GameStop or AMC. Like some, whenever one of those things happen, there's like an influx of huge numbers of new people that ask a lot of questions. But, you know, if uh, I recognize you, you know, I, I also pride myself in like recognizing when people from the website join the uh, Twitch stream. I know um, I've seen Ghost Cipher Inc. before on the website, and then they I see Ghost Cipher Inc. in Twitch chat. I'm like, oh yeah, you're you're Ghost Cipher Inc. from the uh, the uh, the website, and then it's like, yeah, Beta Gang is not that big. The website's not that big. Uh, the podcast is also not that big. If you've never wrote in an email. Um, you know, maybe this is the year that you write in. Maybe you just say hi. Maybe you uh, you ask a question or something. But anyway, if you wanted to, that's Juni at ThetaGang.com. I think lastly, as I kind of close off the finance section of the reflection, um, I want to just like kind of emphasize of all the things that I didn't do, right? Like I didn't play any IPOs this year. Um, zero. Like I'm looking through here and I just don't see a single stock that IPO'd uh, on my list. And that I think says a lot. I also don't see any SPACs, right? I didn't trade any SPACs this year, uh, which were like a huge craze uh, earlier on in the year. Um, I did trade ARCF for a little bit and I remember do, I re I do remember realizing loss on ARCF. Um, but I think it was after that, I was just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to stick to what I know and I'm not going to go into any of the crazes. And, uh, that's something that I will, you know, continue to dwell and reflect on for 2022, especially in January as, you know, what if semis or NVIDIA and AMD just start correcting pretty heavily? Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to just like jump into the nearest meme stock? No, because that obviously, you know, doesn't help. Um, my profit loss in buying a house, I'm remembering my goals. If I do well enough in 2022, there is a heavy chance that I can just buy the house that I want in 2022. If I just do average, you know, maybe I just hold off to 2023, but I know one thing is for certain. If I do horrible, if I make one really big bad trade, that could offset me living in a house uh, for a few years. And that is nothing that is, or that is something that I cannot afford. Like I, that would tilt me beyond belief. And so you can imagine you can have a lot of trust. And when you see my trades on thetagang.com slash Juni start going up, they're going to be responsible ones. They're going to be boring ones. They're going to, they're, you're going to be like, yawn, Juni doesn't even make that much. Yawn, Juni only makes like 34%. Uh, this year, yawn. He only made 50% last year, yawn. I know a Twitter guru that made 3,000% last year, yawn. Uh, you know, Junie's so boring. He doesn't do anything other than sell cash secure puts or cover calls, yawn. He only trades NVIDIA, yawn. He only trades AMD sometimes when he gets bored of NVIDIA, yawn. <laughs> that was it. so annoying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, point is, like, sometimes the boring thing works. If you were super red, maybe you even re uh, like revisit the tried and true. Just buy stock, tell yourself you're never gonna sell it, uh, and buy a little at a time. Dollar cost average in per paycheck, and start like changing your view on the stock market. 
instead of looking at options, maybe you go exclusively stock, right? Like that seems like not a bad idea just to get yourself recalibrated to what normal gains are like. Because yeah, you're gonna yawn to stock gains if you're used to seeing or feeling uh, going up like $100 uh, per tick of wherever the stock direction moves on Robinhood because you bought 100 contracts and you like seeing the uh, number go up by 100 and then you know, you're used to winning thousands but you're also used to losing thousands and uh, maybe just like resetting your expectations is you know healthy. Um, it, it's it's crazy that you know I show my portfolio um, every week on stream. Uh, I show like the profit loss I'm at. If you saw my profit loss on the first Tuesday of this year on Twitch, it was zero, right? Like it was literally zero. Um, it's it's baffling that people see someone do something for free, like why I do, and people will say hurtful things. But that's just how people are. And this is getting a little bit more into the personal stuff. It's just like, I get a lot of mean, it's really, really mean emails and DMs that you guys and girls don't see. And so a lot of this angst, you kind of just think like, oh, Junie's being edgy and uh, whatnot. But a lot of it is, you know, it's kind of my chance to like vent and kind of satirize, satirize, kind of make fun of uh, the situations that I get myself into where people are like making fun of me for um, not making money the correct way. It's like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> there's a problem with me like making the amount of money that I make, um, the, the style of trading that I do. And it's like, do, do you even show your trades? Like, where are your trades? Like, I want to entertain that so bad, but I know that if I get myself into that rabbit hole, it's just feeding the energy into the wrong place. Where if I'm like saying like, oh, where are your trades at? Where are you, where are you, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, prove that you're, um, prove that you're like, being honest with your trades and blah, blah, blah. That energy could equally be used to just work on the website or, um, do a really fiery section of the podcast, you know, something that has positive value instead of depositing value into something that is just like a, like a energy black hole, right? Like you don't want to entertain trolls all that bad. And so, well, I think it would be a really cool idea. And I think a lot of you guys and girls will enjoy this part is, um, kind of going over the soft skills of like what it's like to, run theta gang by myself and what tips i can have for like the early person that wants to start something so the finance stuff is done there's not gonna be that many more stock tips i don't think or anything to do with my like my profit loss for the year uh, after this um little blurb here uh, i'm gonna go into like the personal reflection if you're just here for the finance stuff thank you for listening this far uh and i'll just see you in the next episode uh my name is junie i stream on twitch uh, at Twitch TV slash Real Theta Gang on Tuesdays at uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. This Tuesday uh, 
will be my f string. And if I don't open anything tomorrow, you're most likely going to see like a zero uh, P&L uh, year to date uh, on the on, on my stream. So that's going to be pretty cool. But it just depends on whether or not I open something. But I'll most likely show whatever my first trade is for the year just so everyone could calibrate like, okay, Junie, Junie's got an uh, empty portfolio or whatever, or Junie's got this NVIDIA trade or what, what whatever. Um, but that'll be good. So Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. This Tuesday will be the first one of the year. It should be pretty fun. You got to come stop by. It's not that big. So if you have a question, there's like a 99.99% chance that that question will actually be answered. So if you're dying to ask me a question and you want to hear a live response, this is like the perfect thing to do that. Um, and yeah, so that's the finance section. Uh, if you don't care about the personal stuff, I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Um, I pulled up my GitHub, I pulled up a few other things. Uh, you know, I started this podcast in 2019. And uh, to some of you, it sounds like, you know, I'm pretty, like, known. No, I'm not gonna say well known, because I'm, I'm definitely not well known. But to some of you, you think like, I'm known. But I'm not. I, I really don't have that many like followers or people that like the podcast. Like uh, I don't I don't pitch that all too often. I don't say like oh follow this or um, you know uh, leave me a review. Blah blah blah. It, it's none of that. There, there's no ad spend either. I don't spend any money on advertising. And so when I'm talking about these things that I'm about to say, I hope that you understand that I'm actually just a regular person just like you that has just done something on a very regular interval i'm very disciplined in how i do things and i just do the same thing over and over again um until it stops working and then i tweak it and i just keep going and so that's just one of the things that i hope that you can understand is like if i say like hey if you ever wanted to start a podcast uh if i can start one you can start one too that is not something to just like go over your head. Like I am just a regular person. If you ever had a passion that you wanted to talk about that you feel like you have a lot of knowledge in, today's the day to start a podcast. Like get your laptop. A lot of computers and laptops have built-in microphones. Just start talking into the mic and then upload it somewhere. Maybe it's a private link, you know? But just get, get used to the whole flow of recording something naming the file, uploading the file, and then publishing it. Like Even if it's private and only you know about it, at least you get to know a lot of what it takes just to get something up out there. And it gets you more familiar with it, right? The hardest step is the first one. That's the absolute hardest step. Like Half the battle of getting to the gym is just getting to the gym. And then you work out, and then you, you get out, and then you feel great, right? Like Right now, I feel really good. Because I'm at a talking point where I can say, oh, for the last two years, you know, blah, 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 blah. I get to say that because I worked really, really hard to get to where I am right now. I worked really hard for the, for two years. Me and, me and my girlfriend have this joke where sometimes, you know, we're on FaceTime and uh, I'll be coding and she'll fall asleep, right? And it's like, it's like 2 a.m. Like, of, of course, duh, she's asleep. But I'm still working on Theta Gang, right? I still got work the next morning. And, like, uh, it's like 4 a.m. And I'm just, like, finally pushing up the code. And, um, or, or like, I don't know, back in the day when I used to write the script for Theta Gang, like, a little bit. Um, or, you know, planning what I'm going to do for ThetaGang.com. Or uh, doing something about Theta Gang. Like, I was, 
I was like working like 4 a.m. like consistently. It was like a very normal thing. And then me and my girlfriend always joke about it. It's just like, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm like working like super stressed out on, on like a on a passion project that I don't need to be stressed out on, right? Like this is definitely self-imposed stress. And she's just sleeping. It's just it's just the dichotomy of it all is just is just so funny. Um, but yeah, just starting something is absolutely the hardest thing to do and being able to talk about it is just some of the fruits of the labor um especially after uh, like talking about it after like a period of time and then seeing some reasonable success with it because what i see in a lot of people um that includes friends and family is like they'll get so into like an idea or a hobby, but then they'll like stop after like a week or two weeks. And it's like, where did all that drive and passion go? A lot of what drives Theta Gang is just discipline. Like I know that like not every day I'm gonna be as motivated as as I was as some other days, but there's always things to just kind of do for the website, just make it better. Maybe it's like code refactoring, maybe it's, making this a little bit cleaner, making, um, you know, uh, working on some other portion, maybe like annual subscriptions or um, I'm just, I don't know, like formatting some tweets for the future or I don't know, something like that. There's always something to do. And getting yourself into the habit of doing something that drives your idea forward is good. Uh, to a lot of you, that just sounded really obvious i'm trying to pick the correct words because i'm really i'm really kind of bad at this um because i feel like a lot of words are dramatized where like if i say hey working on something consistently is good that's like not enough it's very dramatic and people are like yeah that that's right being consistent is good but then that's where that's where the thought stops what i'm trying to say is like when you want to start doing something you have to just First of all, get your first first step in. You gotta just do it. So, for example, for me, for the podcast, it was just putting on the headset, pressing record, and then finding out how to upload it, and boom, go. Yeah. Um, say, for example, you wanted to buy a skateboard. The first step would be to, on your way home from wherever you're listening to this, just buy a skateboard, right? Like, don't don't pick, don't wait to pick out the perfect parts. Don't wait to uh, look up what kind of skateboard you want. Go to the shop, ask you know, what is the best skateboard for me? And, you know, they'll ask like, oh, what kind of tricks do you want to do? Where, where do you want to skate? Do you want to skate vert? Do you want to skate a street? Do you want to skate in the park? Blah, 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 blah. And this goes for everything. Do you want to start like growing plants? Like on the way home, pick up your first plant. Like don't go home after a long day when you're tired and then expect yourself to do something like as demanding as, because, you know, when you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, you're feeling really good. You're feeling very motivated. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna do this and that. And then work happens and you know, uh, that person from HR, or this person's getting on your nerves and you know, your boss is getting down on you and then you're like, ah, oh, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, by the end of the day, you're exhausted and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll just do the passion some other time. I'm really busy with work. And you send it off, right? What? That's such a shame that you are putting off something that you wanna do and you're alive today and you're not taking advantage of it. You're not doing what you want to do. And that's what that's just why I want to remind you of is like you have every right to do whatever you want 
like granted you're not evil and you don't do evil things but like say let's assume that you're a good person you can do whatever you want you if you want to travel you can go travel if you have a family that you need to tend to that then make them travel with you maybe if you know if they're in school and you got away for break there's such a thing as sick days man you know put in that little parental note maybe it's like oh my child's like sick for three days or whatever the limit is before you need a doctor's note and just go on a break go on a go on something do do whatever you want with all this restrictions that you have i promise that if you really take a step back and look at it from a bird's eye view they're not actually restrictions rather they're just the things that you're used to doing and that's something that i've personally tried to work on is hey when i'm saying no to doing these things are these things um just getting me out of my comfort zone so i'm justifying with something else or am i just genuinely busy right like that's something that i think about all the time whenever i'm making these types of decisions uh when it comes to uh hanging out with friends uh hanging out at other gatherings like making time for my mom going up um and uh i don't know yeah just working on theta gang like diving up that with jujitsu and uh, making time for the stream making time for the podcast there, there's like all this conflict of interest when it comes to like oh how i devote my time and you know i'm a huge like a promoter of like managing your time you know do things that you want to do make sure you got time for yourself and all that stuff so i gotta make sure i do that for myself too and this is just kind of one of those uh smaller points so let that kind of just be a little bit of motivation for you if you needed that motivation to start something if you want to start doing something it's the first week of january just do it just do it on the way home whatever it is just buy it or just do it or just ask just do it okay uh i think the second thing i want to talk about before i get into the meat of this uh section um the number one tip i can have for someone that's just starting out is um well i think i i think i used that line on the last one is like just to start but a little bit less cheesy um the number one tip is don't look at comments. So, and this means reviews uh, and feedback, uh, posts, anything, anything to do with whatever you're starting, just don't look at them, uh, at least in the beginning. I know I've mentioned a few times in the podcast, like, hey, there's truth in everything. And I think that's true. Like I take all, I, to this day, I read my negative feedback maybe like twice a year whenever I might randomly come across it if I'm just like browsing some subreddit or something or um, or if I'm going through the, I don't know, like uh, podcast platforms and I see that review button, sometimes I like peep in there and take a look. But the number one thing you can set yourself up for for success when you're first starting out is if you don't care about the positive comments, you won't care about the negative comments. So another pattern that I observe with friends and families, like whenever they start something, they get really into the whole beginning of things. When when they say, hey guys, I'm doing this now, or you know, I'm this now, I'm gonna do this now. And then there's people in the comment section like, oh yeah, you're doing awesome, yeah, I'm excited, this is great, blah, blah, blah. And the hype kind of dies down, right? It's because you, chase that high of like oh man this is getting a lot of recognition i'm getting pumped people are excited for this so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be excited for this and that's in my opinion a bad feedback loop 
right? Like it's when you not depend because a lot of people will say like, yeah, I don't depend on other people's like positive praise to do this. A lot of people deny that, but there is like some truth in that where like if people are not cheering you on, then you're, then you don't do it or you might feel less inclined to do it. And that's a bad feedback loop. But one of the positives about not um, caring about positive things is you stop caring about the negative things, right? Some people says some people say like, "Oh, this is trash. Uh, this is just like uh, this is just like stock twits, or this is just like Twitter, but with like trades, or this is this podcast doesn't talk about anything uh, realistic. Oh, they, you'll never make money doing stuff like this, or oh, you've only made money two uh, two years in a row, or you got lucky in twenty twenty, or you got this." There are a lot of things that people can say that can hurt your feelings because a lot of what you do in a passion project is you put your ego into it because you're so passionate and you care so much. And when someone talks bad about it, like no matter how much you can say like, oh, I don't care about this, it hurts. Dude, it hurts. Like whenever I read negative things about Theta Gang, like it hurts. It hurts me because it's like, dang, I'm just doing this because I got I got some free time and I, I enjoy doing this from like the bottom of my heart, like the very deepest crevice of my heart. I love doing this. And a lot of it I do for free, like the stream, Twitter, podcast, it's all for free. Even the website, even my trades are for free. There's only like a subsection of what's actually paygated and that's like an open trades. But even then you can just wait until it's closed and you get, you get that for free too. Um, but it's like, it's really hard to not take negative feedback to heart. And so that's what I'm saying is when you're just starting out, when the momentum is as important as ever because if you have good momentum in the beginning and you carry that long enough it starts becoming a habit and from habit you start developing discipline because you have a habit and you're developing this discipline and when you don't do it you start feeling like oh you know what i'm having a bad day but i'll push this code anyway oh you know what i'm having a bad day but you know what i'm just gonna skateboard and just do one ollie over this broomstick because because you know what yeah, yeah. I, I just like skateboarding. I'm just gonna ollie, and I'm gonna have uh, like a can of soup on this rainy day after I come inside. Like that is awesome, right? Don't let someone on the YouTube internet uh, commenting on your video of your first ollie over a broomstick saying like, "Oh man, you suck. You should quit," or like, "Oh, girls aren't supposed to skateboard," or like, "Oh, dude, you're." You're so trash at this, dude. You're not supposed. You're. I was able to ollie over like a two stair when I first started. Like these types of people are all day. They don't have an off switch, and but you do, right? You're the one putting the effort, and you're the one recording yourself, putting yourself out there on YouTube, and recording that ollie that you're so proud of, right? And there's this person, like literally trying to bring you down. You don't even know this person, but they're able to, they're able to briefly like own your emotions because at that time when you read it and your feelings get hurt, they own your emotion. They, they are in control of your emotion. Unless if you do something about it, you can actively just not look at those comments. You can just say like, Hey, you know what? I'm uploading this on YouTube because this is my personal um, progress video that I'm just gonna look back on and you know people will leave their comments but you know positive or negative I'm not gonna read that read them just for now you know maybe it'll be cool um, thing to look back on when I read back when I'm skateboarded for an entire year 
and I look back and I read those comments of people saying like, oh, you're trash, you're never gonna make it. Um, and then uh, like after a year, you're able to like ollie down a six stair or you're ollieing up and doing tray flips and stuff. And you know, just seeing uh, those comments will just, it'll be funny to you. Where like back in the day when you first started, it's hurtful. And so I hope that can you know shed a little bit of light into how I kind of look look at feedback. Um, is that when it when it gets to me and when I ask for it, that's when it's best. Is like when I send out that Patreon um, uh, sort of form asking for like what can I do better, uh, what what can I do less of, what can I do more of. That is like the best. But like when it's unwarranted from people that have like nothing invested or nothing like. Um, like they don't even have an account. They just like are people looking for plays. They're mad that I'm not like shouting out strikes and expirations on the podcast. Like it, it, it just, it doesn't make sense for me to waste energy on that type of stuff. So, um, but just to put a disclaimer, cause I know there's going to be someone that misconstrues this. There's truth in everything. In the event that you read negative feedback and uh, you know, it's not necessarily calling you names or something, but it's just feedback of just like what they didn't like. You should consider that and say like, you know, is this person my target audience? Uh, do I want to change the way I'm currently doing it just for this particular person or for this particular audience? Or are they not my target audience and I should just continue with my original vision? There's a lot of that that has happened um, in ThetaGang's history where like, you know, there are a lot of people complaining about like, oh man, why can't I delete trades? Um, and, you know, that was like a huge thing in the beginning, but I think people are just like a little bit more understanding now. It's just, I don't, I created this so that it's as transparent as possible. Like, I don't like it when people are not transparent with, and then they also talk loud. Like, if you're not transparent and you just don't say anything, like, I don't care. Like, if you're just, if you have your own Excel sheet that you manipulate but you don't show it off, I could care less. But it's when you start telling everybody you're this awesome trader and you have this Excel sheet that you can freely edit that no one else has the right to look at the edit history on, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And that's just, and that data game is just like one tiny drop in the bucket for the solution to this problem. Um, oh, man. But yeah. So, you know, that that is my number one tip other than just starting. is like, if you don't care about the positive feedback, you won't care about the negative feedback. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're reaching an hour and 22. Wow, this is... I have been talking at a really high volume for about three hours. And so you can tell how many minutes of uh, audio that did not get into uh, this episode. <laughs> um, I want to, you know, it, it is, I am getting like exponentially hungry at this point. So maybe I say more reflection later, but... Um, like later in the months, I don't want to like make two episodes in a row about this stuff, but um, I kind of want to talk about like my failed ideas, right? Like I talk about that all the time in my past uh, episodes, but I've never said what ideas have failed. I talk about how, you know, Theta Gang uh, was not just like 
a spur of the moment or i mean it was pretty spur of the moment but it wasn't like some lucky moonshot that just landed like i was prepared for the moonshot it's what you do with the luck right so uh some of my failed projects um and failed is also relative. I, I mean, some were kind of successful, but successful is also relative. I'll just kind of name some projects that I've had before. I've had um, a website called gogomtg.com. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that right now. Is that even, is that even gogomtg.com? Nope. It is probably for sale somewhere. So if you want to buy it, by all means, go ahead. But anyway. Um, oh, also, if you want to run with any of these ideas, like just run with it, take it. I'm not going to sue you. Like, just go, just do it. Do go and live my past dream. Um, and I'll kind of talk about like why I stopped doing things and whatnot. So, um, anyway, uh, Gogo MTG was one of my first projects that I ever built. Uh, it used, uh, the TC, it, it scraped like tcgplayer.com and, oh, let me, let me, let me dial it back. Gogo MTG was a website where you can look up Magic the Gathering cards and add them to either side of the website. So there's like one website, so aka you're on your phone, and then the website like splits into two. Uh, there's your side and then there's the other person's side. And so when you're trading Magic the Gathering cards now, like in person, it wasn't like this before, but now people are like really penny pinching like dollar values. And it was just getting really annoying doing like all this math and like mental math of like, okay, you owe me a dollar. Okay, now I should put this in. So you owe, now I owe you $2. So pick something out of my binder. Now I created this GoGoMTG, which, you know, I looked it up right now. And there's nothing there, obviously, because I haven't maintained it in forever and probably domain expired. Um, you would look up Magic the Gathering cards on either side and it would total up the values for you and I would scrape the market price from tcgplayer.com, which no one else really did because I honestly think it was like in their terms of service of what you're not allowed to do. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I stopped doing it just because like if I if it were to blow up and be become successful, like there's a massive chance for it just to get shut down. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was just one of the cooler things. I think... Um, like apps on the phone just do that now for there's like deck building apps that calculate the value of the cards and like how much it would cost to build a deck and you can split the screen in two to keep track of two trades or two people trading and people and there's an app that does that for you it doesn't have to be go going to g but that was one of my first projects and that's a project where i got really familiar with web scraping i got really familiar with building a ui i got really familiar with uh ux and how people interacted with the site i you know it's really easy to build something but it's really hard to build something that is intuitive for people to use and that includes like where you place your buttons what you make a drop down what you don't make a drop down what you make pre-fillable what you where you put the image does the image look clickable does the image look tappable does the image look expandable like all this type of stuff uh soon after gogo mtg um, I had an idea called Parky, um, and that was P-A-R-K-I-I. And, uh, the job at where I was working at the time, uh, had really bad parking. And so I thought, man, if I could just pay someone like an X amount to park in their driveway, um, just so I could walk to work 
easier. And if I don't block off their garage or something, I, I could just park in their driveway and just walk to work that, that way instead of finding a street parking spot. That sounds pretty good, right? And so I built out this like entire like dashboard and this entire Google Maps integration and all that stuff. And I was slowly figuring out that that idea was huge, right? That that idea was so huge. It was way bigger than Beyond Me. Then that's when I started looking into more like regulations. Like, what is this legal? Is this not legal? Apparently, it is not legal. I mean, from when I looked it up and how I looked it up and what the people I was talking to, it just started to sound like it was not legal and i just kind of scrapped it from that point on and i it, it was a lot to do with like how big of the project it was going to be too um yeah and i had ideas where you know people would put qr codes on like their garage doors and stuff um and then you could like check into the spot like that that type of thing like making your driveway something that is you know sellable for like a few hours of the day Some something like that um so that's parky uh, so I stopped that. That's when I learned a lot of like server, um, like s s server scaffolding, like how I organize like my backend code. I learned a lot again about like Google Maps integrations, um, QR code generation, um, and yeah, always just doing the front end and stuff. Like getting a little bit more and more into depth on just like how user experiences work. So that was Parky. Um, there, oh my goodness, this one's, this one was, um, this one was kind of just funny. So I was like on dating apps for like the longest time. Um, and by longest time, I think it was like six months. Uh, I was on dating apps before I met my girlfriend, my current girlfriend right now. Um, uh, I wanted to create a dating app. It was called Hundred. It was H U N, like spelled Hundred with an extra D at the end. And the the premise was you had to answer a hundred questions um, uh, for us to or for me because all these projects are solo. By the way, I'm I don't I'm always working on this by myself. Um, and you have to answer a hundred questions, uh, and then you know then we'll score your account and then we'll try to match you up with someone that has a lot of similarities what didn't occur to me is that like that's not <laughs> that's not like a fun user experience when you first log into something like i think tinder really emphasizes the ability just to like upload a picture and then start swiping which is really powerful because i think that's like the best way i think tinder has some of the best ui too is like very intuitive like you just do what you want to do you look at pictures of people and you like them or you don't like them it's very simple and that's why I appreciate about it. 100 was going to be like the, oh, you know, it's going to be for the people that are actually looking for a relationship. It's going to be like a coffee meets bagel type of competitor. But again, that was a huge project. It was so huge. It was disgustingly huge. Um, it just didn't occur to me. Like, what about customer service? What about payments? What about this? What about people having a bad time? What about people getting harassed? What about this? That didn't occur to me. I was just so into the idea. I just want to start building it right away. There was that. That, that was 100. And that, I kind of scrapped it just because like, I just realized how big of a project that was. I learned a lot about iOS development and um, just like what I would use. I would use expo.io for those that are JavaScript nerds that want to start building stuff on the phone. I would also use Flutter too or um, Flex or whatever that language is called. But 
or framework. Um, I would do something like that. But anyway, that was 100. That didn't work out. That was probably one of my shorter... Nah, actually, they're all pretty much the same. Yeah, if I'm talking about it here, it was like a semi-serious project. Um, but yeah, 100, got used to iOS development, got a little bit more into like user experience. I was really into like developing the UI to make the 100 questions as like seamless as possible. Um, just, you know, getting better at backend code as I usually do. I got better at like signing a Facebook at SSO and all that stuff during that time too. And so you can see like I'm learning as I'm like failing all these types of things. And this is just kind of just more backstory. Uh, then comes what was next? What was next? There was Parky and the 100 and then oh, there was GoGamG, Parky and 100. Um, Cushbase. Cushbase, Cushbase.io. Cushbase.io was, uh, it was also a scraper. So I revisited the whole scraping idea. I thought, hey, if the data is public online, it's up for grabs. Well, Cushbase.io, what that did was it would take your inventory as a dispensary and then it would compare your prices to all the other dispensaries prices. This was one of the closest projects that I got to actually just going full like sale mode on um, because what I found was like, hey, if I build this dashboard, if I could actually prove that like, hey, I could prove that your dispensary, the dispensary across the street from you is selling this like $20 cheaper and that you need to sell this at a fraction of the, or like 20, $21 cheaper or something like that, then, you know, you need to you know, it justifies the product. Like it was an actual product that I can sell, that I can build, that um, that made me feel really good about the project. What made me lose interest in the project though was, <laughs> dude, it was it was just so funny. So like I was using um, Weed Maps data, and I remember at the time I was like looking for a job, but also kind of not looking for a job. But I remember going to um uh, going to the weed maps office like dropping off my resume and i was like i really really want to work here like there are there you know there's tons of people like i didn't say this to the person but in software you're usually approached by recruiters like all the time from various companies and they're just like trying to headhunt you trying to work for them and that stuff so when someone comes into your office and is like hey i really want to work here and i'm pretty good at coding like i think i'm decently okay I would love to work here and have a chance to work here. I didn't even get a reply, dude. Like I wrote like an entire custom CV and I wrote like, hey, you know, I'm a huge fan. Like I, um, I'm like really into like um, just how, how big the marijuana industry is getting and just like all this stuff. And truthfully, I was, I was just like super pumped about it. And I thought, you know, Weed Maps just being here in Orange County was like a great fit for me at that particular time working, working on Cushbase. But I didn't, I didn't hear back, like, at all. And it, it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. And I was just, like, so, like, I was, like, so hurt. I was, like, oh, man. But granted, they could have just been swamped. They could have been busy. But, you know, you know, feelings are feelings. And my feelings did get hurt. And I was, like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to do this. And then just, like, working with the weed maps, uh, scraping weed maps just felt too bad. And uh, I was, like, ah, you know, maybe I don't want to do this. And so that kind of stopped. 
Um, but I still, to this day, I think scraping data and then proving that your competitors are selling something at a cheaper price point is still a lucrative business, especially if you're able to sell it at a SaaS product subscription level. Like what if, you know, Cushbase actually did become a thing um, and um, like I said, like, hey, for $20 a month, you can stay subscribed. And then I just scale out the business. I just start tracking more and more dispensaries and then it just becomes like, I don't know, there's just becomes like a lot of pricing data there now too. I can start trending data on just like what strains start going up and what strains start going down, what new inventory hits the market, what new inventory like left the market, what's getting sold out, what's not selling. There, there seem to be like a lot of stuff. I'm sure that there's someone doing something like that now, but that was a pretty novel idea. Uh, like, what, when was this? Like two and a half years ago. Oh, after Cushbase, there was Tendies. So, Tendies, uh, and that's with two Ds. And I, it had a really clever logo. It had a chicken logo to be like Tendies, right? Chicken tenders. But it, the, it was spelled Tendies with two Ds in the middle. And the Ds were, um, uh, like, they were accented. So it was like due diligence, DD, right? It was, it was so perfect. It's like your one-stop shop to look up your favorite stock, look up news, and leave comments. It was like a direct stock to its competitor and uh i built it and it was a very very early version of website it had a very bad looking graph <laughs> and um it had a lot of things planned for it that is now in thetagang.com so a lot of the edgy things that i do in thetagang.com like the the mono font text the um, what else uh just like the just like how like Cody and programming it looks like that's been there. The ticker at the bar where the patrons have a message that has been a dream of mine forever. And now that that's come to fruition, that's like, that's like case closed. I'm good. Right. So that was also on tendies, um, dot IO. I think tendies.com was taken. Um, but yeah, it was just a direct competitor stock to it. I thought there were just too many rude people on ten, uh, on not tendies, but on stock to it. Like, StockTwits, don't get me wrong. I think the, the owner of StockTwits, I think everyone on the StockTwits team is awesome, but it's just the people that are on there. They're like, they're they're really old, and so their jokes are really like dated. They're very like, uh, I can you say sexist on a podcast and not get flagged? I don't know. They're like, they're like sexist and ra racist, and they're very like, they're really derogatory. And it's like, it's not the type of place that I wanted to like, keep browsing around and so i wanted to kind of create my own place and so you can kind of see where the inspiration comes from for the fade game and how i treat it it's like hey the only rule of this website is don't be a butt like don't be a bad person like just be chill like just enjoy it for what it is and just have a good time like just don't don't like post half naked women and say like oh this is the double dip that i would dip or this is looking like a double bottom if you know what i mean like I don't want to see or hear that stuff from like a boomer like on on stock twits dude like or on theta game like i don't want i just don't want to see that like that's that is not anything to do with finance it's like dude if you need to project your masculinity into a finance platform like by all means i get it it's a male dominated industry and that's all cool but i'm not here to look at half naked women because that's for other times of the day <laughs> <laughs> that's about as uh pg-13 
uh, as I will ever get on this podcast. And I think I just let it slip just a little bit too far, even for my taste uh, on the podcast. But this is the end of the year slash start of the year podcast. So I, I'll let that one slide uh, just that one time. But that, that probably will never happen again. But you were here to listen to that. So I guess that's a mo- moment of Theta Game podcast history. Um, but yeah, so it's... It's it's something, right? Like I built I built tendies and uh it didn't get the traction that I wanted. It got some traction and uh when I had, you know, you know, when I finished like the I guess the V1 of it, you were able to leave comments per ticker and you saw like some scrolling some scrolling hello world text at the top. But then it slowly occurred to me that like, you know, maybe this isn't the right this isn't the right move. This isn't what I want to do because I don't really want to manage a social platform because again, what about blocking people? What about uh, harassing people? What about all that stuff? Like the day-to-day, sorry, I just burped. Um, but the, <laughs> the production value just gets lower and lower. Um, but the day-to-day of that just sounded not as fun. So what I chose to do was like, hey, I'm just going to take a break from attendees and uh, I'm just gonna work on like myself. Like as cheesy as that sounds, I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna work at my job. I'm just gonna work and just enjoy the job for what it is. My nine to five, by the way, because all these projects are done like when I get home from my nine to five, right? Like none of this is like done when I'm like taking a break from work to try go go for it, right? I'm very risk adverse when it comes to that type of stuff. So you know. When it comes to like taking a break, I took it uh, and maybe, I don't know, maybe like a few months, maybe two, three, four months, 2019 rolls by and uh, my girlfriend's like, do you want to go on a trip? And I was like, where, where do you, where do you want to go? And, I was, we're, and we were both kind of thinking like, what about New York? And then, and then you know, I'm like, ah, nah, I just kind of want to stay home. I want to stay in California, go, go somewhere close. And then she's like, oh, you know, there's like the New York Stock Exchange. And I was like, ding, I am so down to go and see it. I am so down because, you know, that's that's like one of the, my dreams is just to be able to walk in there, which I think would be cool. But, you know, didn't get to go in there. Uh, definitely just took pictures outside, but... Uh, it was very cool nonetheless. We ended up going. But uh, let me roll back just a little bit. And on the way there, like on the plane, I see that ThetaGang.com is available. Like it's just open. Like no one, no one's taken it. And I was just like, what the heck? No one, no one wants that. And so, you know, cause I buy, I buy like airplane Wi-Fi all the time. Cause you know, I'm always coding. I'm always like browsing the internet and that stuff. I just like doing that stuff. Um, and thetagang.com was open. It, it was available. And I was like, huh, I could do like thetagang related stuff, right? Like I could do this. I, I, yeah, I can do something about thetagang that I did with tendies. Uh, like, why don't I give, like, Theta Gang style trades a go? And that's how it kind of, like, all started. It's like, uh, that little 
piece of the internet I was able to buy, theatergang.com, like, gave me the inspiration to just, like, keep going and just do this one thing. And that's, you know, prove that it's real, right? Theta Gang and Bull Gang, Bear Gang, all that type of stuff. Like, those are all, like, you. I don't know if people really say that type of stuff anymore on Wall Street Bets. I'm just, I don't know, a Wall Street boomer or Wall Street Bets boomer at this point. But, um, like, being able to display all my winning and losing trades on ThetaGang.com with ThetaGang exclusive trades was a really, really cool idea to me. Because... You know, I throughout all all of my failed projects, I've I've been trading stocks like the entire time, right? Like I started back in college, um, which was ten years ago. Was that is that correct? Yeah, like ten years ago, like a decade ago, I started trading stocks, uh, and yeah, I just have been noticing like people are not as truthful as they could be. And I thought, you know, it's only 3000 bucks. I have a really cool website called datagain.com. Why don't I just do this particular strategy? And, you know, in my head, I was actually like, you know, people aren't going to make fun of me. People are probably going to just enjoy that I show my winning and losing trades. And that's what happened. Like, people just really loved seeing the trades. And people loved how the site looked. And to, to be real, like, I had a very strict vision of what the website would be like so and 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 it is to what i think of it what it it would look like full blown out today on datagang.com right now so um you know the the trade rows that are really like close together that look really cool like excel-y but you know that's interactable you can click on them takes you to the trade view trading that's like all that stuff i've envisioned from like the day i started working on the website and like a lot of it is just putting this like this passion that i'm trying to i'm not trying to, i'm trying to not sound cringy i'm trying oh, but also while trying to burp oh excuse me um yeah it's it was just a whole lot um like i i'm so i'm like so excited to just talk about dating like this is this is my baby this is my baby um it's been a journey. Two years and something months of doing this every day, all day, all week, all month, all year. Two two years minimum. Like another and I think maybe the last point, as you know, my voice is actually starting to kinda of hurt now, is like all my relative success, I'm not going to just say success because, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, you're not successful. You're just getting started or, uh, you know, you got a lot to grow or, you know, Junie, you're stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But in my relative success, uh, I just want to say like, and as I'm closing off my reflections of 2021, I do this every day. I am really proud of where I am with Theta Gang. I'm really proud of where I got it to. I'm really happy 
with the friends that I've made along the way. I'm happy with the community that I'm a part of in growing all of this. And um, it's, it's, it's really cool um, being able to just say that I've been doing it for so long and I hope that people people can find motivation to do, again, the things that they want to do because this all started from the beginning. Like, I've always just been this person that tries this idea as hard as I can, like, heads down, go, 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 MTG, right? Like, I am very go-go. Um... And I have failed so many times. I have failed in option training before, right? I've gone and got. But I've always made it out okay. I've always been okay. Because I think closing off, just a little bit, being a little bit more personal is like, I think wholeheartedly, if you're genuinely a really good person, and if you're actually, and I mean really nice, like from even like an outside perspective, like if someone thinks you're nice, um, or that a large majority of people think you're nice, then you will be okay. You you know I've gone into some like really emotional bits over Theta Gang, and I've you know and past projects like some of the projects I talk about like kind of you know jokingly like I've gone into some like heated moments of like. Oh man, I'm I'm so I'm nothing is working. I keep failing all my projects. I keep uh, I, I I keep building the wrong thing, or I you know I'm not succeeding because I I am not doing the right thing at the right moment. I'm focusing on the wrong thing. There's a lot of self doubt that happens, but of everything that's happened. I'm really, really happy that I didn't quit. And I'm really, again, happy that I can share that it's been, you know, two years and something months. I'm excited for 2022. And, um, yeah. Wow, that, <laughs> whoa, that got really somber. Is that the right word, somber? Oh, I think my voice is just tired. I'm I'm feeling happy. If that sounded if that sounded sad at the end, like scratch it. Like I'm I'm like not sad. I'm just kind of like chilling after like almost four hours of talking. You you're only hearing about like an hour, probably when I finish it, probably like almost two hours of talking when I was actually talking for four. So you know if you if you hear some rambling in this one, you can imagine why I spared you from for the other two hours that I did not choose to put in the podcast. Um. Yeah, life is short. You gotta just just do it. Just go after the thing that you you want. If you're if you're by any means like a high school student right now, and, and you're listening to this podcast, and you have that one crush that you know you're heading into your senior year, and you know that if you graduate without telling her that you like her one time, dude, you gotta tell her like like the like when you get back, bro. Like you need to tell her like, hey. Do you want to go to a movie sometime? And she says no. She says no, dude. The, at least you don't gotta go through life like t- like asking yourself like what would have happened. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Well, by the way, I've always, I have always been the person that does ask. Like, it, you know, in, in school, like, if I had a crush on someone, I, I would eventually tell them. I'm, like, that type of person. It's like, eh, I like you. Do you like me? Nope. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. Super excited for 2022. I'm Junie. Uh, I made... $51,000 this year in gains in the stock market. I made $48,000 in gains last year. I'm excited for what this year brings. I'm just, I basically just said the profit loss because I am I know I'm never going to like say that in, on Twitter or like a feature episode. So I'm just going to say it one last time just because it feels really good. I made $48,000 in 2020 and I made $51,000 this year in 2021. Doing the same old thing again and again, even when people say that it doesn't make that much, even though when people say that it doesn't work, even though people say that it's not even that much, people say it doesn't work, people... Ooh. <sighs> okay. I think I'm ready to order my food. I think I'm going to have probably Wingstop. You know, P uh, Wingstop has Thigh Stop now, which is pretty cool. And, ah, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into all that. I'm probably gonna, yeah, I'll probably order something or something to do with wings. But, um, let me read off the patrons because honestly, patrons make a lot of this happen. Um, I cannot stress that, uh, remotely enough. Okay, here we go. I want to give a huge end of year thank you to Pocket Change, King Polo D, Mike D, Slow Motion, JZM, Malat, Pastor Bedtime, Empty Cans, Mods, Norco, Royal, Mitch Brady 7, Upstream Puddle, Kirk Thomas, DJ Wilson, BJ Kim, Tzitzky, Random Tom Hobbs, Mr. Integrity, Jeffy Deleted, Jeffy 86, Anne Bowen, DJ Mike 86, Null, Vlad TC, Malt, Man 1856, Chai Mr. Steezy, Man of Dunno, Grandpa 95, Little Justin Fancy Wolf, Master XC, Nathan River, Sing Steve, Nash, Satoshi, Jason Mohan, One, Bad Trader, Chicken Dinner, Ivan, You Can Not Descent, Farfman, Lord Scout, Totally, These the rest of the, the gesture because we can put the rest of your shift the AG theta ray UNXV El Finkel and sis 88. You know what else? Um, the theta, or not theta game, the Tastyworx referral. If you've used theta or the oh my gosh, if you use the Tastyworx referral, you gotta hit me up. I want to set you up with the uh, trade alerts and I want to set you up with the Tastyworx flare on the website. Uh, so just hit me up at juniathetagame.com if you've used it already. Uh, if you haven't used it already, it's uh, when you sign up with Tastyworks and you use the Thetagang, one word, all caps, referral code, you'll get like some sort of bonus with it. Um, and then along with that, you'll also, um, you'll also get uh, perks on the website, but then you'll also get access to my Twitter Alerts where whenever I upload a trade to thetagame.com, it makes a tweet to my Twitter account. And I treat my Twitter account as like my ledger. So in the event that someone says, oh, Judy, you deleted the trade off of thetagame.com. Uh, and then I just go to the Twitter tweet thing. And I'm just like, no, I didn't. It's right here. Boom. Bam. And you're, you're good. So oh, what a year. What a year. What a year. Okay. Here we go. Starting Monday. I don't know why that took me so long. I think I'm just getting really hungry. Starting Monday. There goes another year of doing the same thing and just being kind of heads down. I'm gonna go another year without like 
saying like, oh, look at my profit loss going up, showing my service uh, to get the inside scoop. But I will continue showing my profit loss on my stream, you know, because that's more like a personal level. It's like if you come and say hi, it's not like me trying to recruit you. It's just me like kind of answering your questions and you get to see like, hey, is this guy for real? And that's, that's the kind of vibe that I like. Uh, and speaking of which, the first Twitch stream will be again this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going to go eat now. Uh, my mouth seems to not want to stop talking just because I've been talking for the last four hours. <laughs> so I'm going to stop now. Okay. I will talk to everyone next week uh, on the stream. If not, on the next podcast episode next weekend. Thank you so much and have an awesome, awesome weekend before we head into 2022 or before we head into the first trading week of 2022. Thank you and bye-bye.